This is Bruce Suji, and welcome back to our podcast about success in university in a time of COVID-19. This particular session is about some myths about university. In other words, things about university that ain't true, but you might believe otherwise. Well, I'm here to make sure that you understand some truths about this endeavor that you're about to embark on. Here's one. One that has to do with your high school grades. If you're contemplating university, it's quite possible you're a pretty good student. Yeah, that, that's not completely uh, always true, but in large part, if you were an A or an A-plus student in high school, you might be expecting similar grades when you go to university. And while the two are definitely correlated, in other words, generally speaking, better performing students in high school are the better performing students in university, in most cases, it's reasonable to expect at least some drop in your grades when you go to university. Part of that is because the work is harder than it was in high school. And part of it is because you're a little fish when you go to a university in a much bigger pond. You might have been one of the top 10 students in your graduating class in high school, but in university, you're quite likely to be alongside the top 10 students from hundreds of other graduating classes. So don't be too alarmed if your grades aren't quite as high in your first year of university as you might have come to expect in high school. Another myth, I'll bet at least for some of your exams in high school, you were able to succeed by cramming the night before the exam. Pulling an all-nighter, really pulling at all the stops, staying to three, four, five o'clock in the morning, and you still might have been able to ace some of the tests that you studied that way. And while that technique might work for at least a few of your university courses, Unless you develop the better habit of distributing your study over a longer period of time, don't expect a great result. There's plenty of very, very well-respected psychological research that shows that, for example, if you were going to spend four hours studying for a particular exam, you're almost inevitably going to get a better final grade if you spend that four hours over four separate sessions, as opposed to one momentous four-hour cram session. So, please start to move away from the idea that you can cram before an exam and still do well. I guarantee it might not show up in your first year of university, but it will catch up to you at some point, at some point in your university career. Another well-known myth is the idea of multitasking. So usually people describe it as the ability to do multiple things at one time. And one example might be playing a video game while doing some of your university homework. 
Here's the reality. What you're actually doing in that case, playing a video game while doing your homework, is that you're actually rapidly switching back and forth between the two. A couple of seconds on the video game, couple of seconds on homework, couple of seconds on the video game, couple of seconds on, seconds on, on homework. Unfortunately, that switching is actually taking away from your overall cognitive resources. It's taking away from the amount of smarts you're applying to either the video game or your homework, and you'll end up devoting less of your talent to each of them. Another example of the failure of multitasking is depending on where you live, it's probably pretty likely that it is illegal to talk on a cell phone and drive at the same time. Why, you might ask? Because there's an immense amount of data that shows that when people talk on their cell phones and drive at the same time, the likelihood of an accident goes way, way up. And that's for a relatively automatic task like driving. Most of us once we've uh, uh, had our license for a year or two, we, generally speaking, consider ourselves to be pretty good drivers. And hey, we've been talking most of our lives. Why shouldn't we be able to talk pretty, pretty uh, uh, easily while we're driving? Well, the reality is, uh-uh. We aren't able to multitask between those two things. And I guarantee you that if you try multitasking between studying or working on some piece of your university work and something else, you're really not going to do very well. You're much better off devoting yourself to study for a set period of time and then reward yourself with some time off. So set yourself up for maybe 15 minutes, even 15 or 20 minutes of focused study time and then reward yourself with let's say 15 minutes of playing a video game or 15 minutes of listening to this music or 15 minutes of chatting with a friend. There's a really interesting way of setting yourself up to do this called the Pomodoro technique. Look up Pomodoro technique in Wikipedia, P-O-M-O-D-O-R-O, and read the entry. Basically, what it's about is setting up a little timer so that you can set, time your work uh, efforts as well as your time off efforts. If you think this might help you, and I kind of believe it, it will, I can guarantee that it will work a whole lot better for you than trying to multitask. Another myth, you're familiar with the acronym TLDR? Stands for too long didn't read. And there's might have been a few things in your high school career that you just dismissed as TLDR. And I guarantee there will be a ton of things in university that you also might be tempted to label TLDR. And while I'm pretty sure that there are there will be some things that deserve that label, others do not. In particular, for example, I recommend that you carefully read the course syllabus for each one of your courses. It may seem long and boring and a real prime candidate for TLDR, 
but I'm here to tell you that most of your professors will assume that you understand it completely. Many of your profs will even treat it like a quasi-legal contract. Don't make the mistake of ignoring an assignment due date or forgetting a midterm because you are too lazy to read the syllabus. Don't make the mistake of assigning a TLDR label to something that could have a pretty profound effect on your success in a particular course. Another myth that a lot of people um, that come to university seem to, to, to bring with them is the, idea, is the idea that you have one learning style, that you're a verbal learner or a visual learner or a, a physical learner or something like that. That learning style idea is wrong on two fronts. First of all, we don't have one learning style. We have multiple preferred styles depending upon the nature of the material to be learned. In other words, the style that works best for you might be different for different kinds of material, different kinds of courses you're taking, you might be taking. Furthermore, and this is important, our preferred styles change as our intellect and our maturity changes. So that the way we may have preferred to learn in, you know, maybe grade 10 is quite likely to be different in university. What I would suggest is one of your tasks when you first enter uh, post-secondary education is that you find the style that is right for you for each of your courses. And it might be completely different for each of the courses that you're taking. As well, it's quite likely to change between your first year and your final year in university. You will absolutely become a lot more mature. You will absolutely grow in terms of your intellectual capacity. And so the way that you learn is going to be very different from between your first year to your last year of university. Another myth that a lot of students have or believe is how much your profs actually know about you. If you've applied to a university or, or maybe a few, you've probably had to provide quite a bit of information, perhaps about your financial status, uh, perhaps about your interests, uh, quite likely a lot of personal information. Well, in reality, that information goes to what is called the registrar's office in most schools, and almost none of it gets to your profs. In truth, most of your profs know virtually nothing about you. If they know your name, which isn't always the case, they might be able to look up what program or year you're in, but unfortunately, in most cases, they don't even know your name. And so all that detailed financial and personal information you submitted to get into university just isn't available to your prof. The truth is, you probably know, know more about them than they do about you. And this can be a problem if you'd like to eventually ask them for a letter of reference or for their help in finding a summer job or for just getting help from them. 
something to keep in mind as you're probably at some point in time going to be asking some of them for that letter of reference or for help in finding a job. That's it for this podcast. See you again next time.